Well, we're in week number two of our One Another series. Everybody say One Another. One Another. another. In this series, we're looking at not all of them because there are a lot of them, but we're looking at several of the One Another passages that are in the uh, New Testament that talk about how we are to relate with each other. And we begin last week by looking at Romans chapter number 12, uh, where Paul says that the body of Christ, the church, which is us, that we are all members of one another. Now what in the world does that mean? Well, he gives the, uh, the metaphor of the body of Christ being like our body, that, that our body has different members. It's made up of individual members, your, your limbs, your ligaments, your bones, your muscles, your, your organs, all of these things. And they all have a role, they all have a function, but they make up just one body. And so it is with the body of Christ. We are the family of God. All of us are members, one of another. We all belong together. And the purpose of this teaching, the purpose of this series really, is so that we would understand our roles, that we need one another, that God put us in His family to be uh, better uh, in unity and in relationships so that we can be more effective in accomplishing God's mission to reach the world. And so really that's what this series is about. And, and last week as we began, one of the main takeaways or one of the main points is that uh, God's commandments are relational. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but all of his commandments, um, not just the one another commandments, but even if, when you look at the 10 commandments about you know, not killing, not, not stealing, and don't covet, and, and honor God, honor your parents, all of those commandments are relational. How we relate to God and how we relate to one another. And so we have to keep that in mind is that as we're moving forward in this series, the goal behind this is that we would grow closer in our relationship with God and our relationship with one another as the body of Christ. And um, this, 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 the, um, the commandment that I want to tackle today is the commandment, love one another. And really... There's two reasons I want to start with this one. First of all is um, all the other commandments that we're going to uh, tackle and study are not possible if we don't know how to do this one. The second reason I want to start with this one is because this is the most frequently used one another commandment in all of the Bible. It is used more times than any other one another commandment. And I believe that the reason that it's the most frequently used is because Jesus knew that we would need a constant reminder of how to get along with people. How many realize that getting along with others can be difficult sometimes? It can, <laughs> I heard a really loud amen coming from this area right over here. <laughs> But it can be a challenge because relationships, they're, they're not just difficult to form, but really they can be difficult to maintain. Relationships can be difficult to keep. And, and as we talked last week, it's, it's important that we're, that we're connected and that we are, are in understanding of our relationships and how we need one another. Because... Being in a relationship is, is, it can be a challenge to say the least. Matter of fact, I would go as far as to say this, that um, dealing with people may just be the most challenging thing that you ever do in this world. 
I just want you to think about that. Because have you ever noticed that if it weren't for people, that, man, maybe your life would be great? I know I've said that about church before. If, if, if I could just have a church without people, man, it would just be great. Now, that's not even possible, but you know, everybody's moving around. They're looking for a church that's perfect. And the moment that you walk through the doors, you made it imperfect because there are no perfect people. There are no perfect churches because people are people and they're hard to deal with. They can be hurtful. They can be grumpy. They can be rude. They can be irritable. Anybody know any irritable people? Don't, okay, maybe I shouldn't ask that. I don't want to do marriage counseling. <laughs> but uh, people are stingy. They're selfish. They're just, they're grumpy. They're just, you know, you go through drive throughs and they just, you know, they don't want to be there. And so they're just, you know, they just, they just want that check. And they're, they're, people are hard to deal with. That's my point. But yet Jesus has given this commandment to love one another. So let's look at this today. I want you to go with me to John chapter 13. We're going to begin reading in verse 34. And we're going to read all the way down to verse 35. Jesus says this in verse 34. He says, A new commandment I give to you that you do what? That you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now that's the main scripture for this morning's reading. Now there are several other places specifically in the New Testament that, that use that same phrase, love one another. But I wanted to focus on this one because this is the words of Jesus telling us to love one another. Now, I'm sure you've picked up on the fact that the word love is used very loosely in our culture, in our society. I mean, people, people love everyone. I mean, uh, just, hey man, I love you. We send a text, love you, love you, love you. I love this. I love food. I love, you know, I love sports. There's, love is one of those words that gets used really loosely. And uh, it can be awkward to tell someone that you love them, especially if you're a man. For whatever reason, men have a hard time saying that word. They have a hard time saying, I love you. Unless it's John White over here. He, 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 loves, he loves me, <laughs> but he, he tells me that. But it, it can be awkward. And so what I want to do real quickly, and this is, this is not the meat of the message, but I think you need to know that there are, there are different types of love. Um, and I want to I go through these four different types of love with you just real quick, just so you'll have an understanding of what these four different types of love are. And these come from the Greek, the Greek uh, language. And the first word is eros, E-R-O-S. Now, this is pretty obvious. This is where we get our word erotic. This is sensual or romantic love that is reserved for, for a marriage. And let me clarify that and define that. Between one man, one biologically born man and one biologically born woman. That is the word eros. The second one is the word storge, S-T-O-R-G-E. And this word is natural love. This is family love, the way a mom loves her child. That's, that is a natural affection. And so that is, that is the word storge. The third one is the word philia, philia. And this is friendship the way you love your friends. This is brotherly love. You, you notice um, the city Philadelphia begins with that. Philia, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Now that's, that's just 
so you'll walk away having learned something today, okay? But that is brotherly love, that is friendship. But then the, the most important kind of love, and the one we're going to focus on today is the fourth one, agape. Agape, and this is the God kind of love, to love the way that God loves. And I mentioned those four right there because uh, people have a, a really kind of a twisted understanding of what's love, what love really is because we use it so loosely. But this is the love that Jesus was talking about and referring to in John chapter number 13. That is the Greek word. If you have a Greek dictionary, a Greek lexicon, you can look up that word love in John chapter 13, and it's the Greek word agape. It means the God kind of love. Now, in verse number 34, Jesus said this. I want you to think about this for a second. Jesus said, I'm giving you a new commandment. And they're probably thinking, okay, this is cool. This is something that, we, that we're not doing. This is something that we've never heard before. Jesus, tell us, what is this new commandment? And he says, love one another. Now, I'm sure that there were husbands who were loving their wives. I'm sure there were wives who were loving their husbands. There were parents who were loving their children. There were friends who were loving other friends. So how in this, what did Jesus mean by this was a new commandment? Well, Lord, that's not new. We've been loving people our whole life. So what was Jesus talking about there? What was different about this kind of love? Jesus answered this in his very next statement at the end of verse 34, he says, just as I have loved you, you should love one another. Now that's a game changer. That's a great challenge. But Jesus is saying, here's why it's a new commandment. Because yes, yes, you love your wife. Yes, you love your friends. But here's the way that I want you to love them. I want you to love one another the same way that I have loved you. This is agape love, the love of God, to love others as He has loved us. If you're taking notes this morning, here's the first thing that I want you to write down. The Jesus kind of love is our pattern for loving others. If we are to love one another, what does that look like? Well, our pattern is to look at Jesus and how He loved others. Because Jesus said, here's the commandment. I want you to love others just as I have loved you. So our pattern for loving others is the life of Jesus. The Jesus kind of love. Well, how do we know what that looks like? All we have to do is read the four Gospels and look at the life of Jesus and how he did things. No one showed the depths of true love more than Jesus did. In fact, everything that Jesus did, he did with love, the God kind of love. He fed the hungry with love. He healed the sick with love, with compassion. He preached the kingdom of God with love. He raised the dead with love. He cast out demons with love. He, 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 he would do things to, to rebuke people and to correct people. He did that with love. He comforted those who were hurting in love. But his greatest demonstration of love was his willingness to sacrifice his life so that you and I could be saved. In fact, Romans chapter 5 uh, declares this for us. Well, look at this. It says, but God did what? He demonstrated. Listen, love is, not, love is more than words. Love is action. 
Love is demonstration. God demonstrated or God showed us how great his love is for us by doing what? By sending us Christ Jesus to die for us while we were still sinners. That is God's love. That is agape love. That is the kind of love that God has for you. And that is the kind of love that God is asking for us or commanding us to love other people with. Agape Love. I know what some of you are thinking this morning. You're thinking, well, pastor, there, there, there are some people that I just simply can't love. There are some people who are simply not worth my love. Here's what you need to know about that. Write this down. Love is not about the worthiness of the one being loved. Love is about the character of the lover. It's not about the worthiness. You say, well, they're just not worthy of my love. It's not about the worthiness of the one that you're loving. Love is about the character of the lover. That's why the phrase, while we were still sinners, is so, so important. In, in the world's eyes, I was unlovable. In, in, in the eyes of culture and in the eyes of other people, I was not worthy to be loved. I was unfit. I wasn't good enough. But God demonstrated his great love for me. And in the world's eyes, while I was unlovable, God still sent his son to die so that I could be saved. That, that's the love of God. So it's not about, if, if, if we was to think that, well, this person's not worthy of love, do we think that we, we were really worthy of God's love? So, so, so love is not about the worthiness of the one being loved. Love is about the character of the lover. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 12. John writes this. He says, Dear friends, let us continue to do what? To love one another. For love comes where? Where does love come from? Love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. Look at this next phrase. For God is love. Now I just want to pause right there for just a moment to just kind of speak to someone who may be wrestling with the, the idea that God doesn't love you, that God's given up on you, that, uh, that you have run too far from God and, and He's not going to love you. You've messed up. Uh, your past disqualifies you from God's love. This, this phrase right here that says God is love tells me that it is impossible for God to not love you. Because that's who He is. God is love. If God does not love you, then it's, then it's completely disqualifying His character of being love. God is love. So that means it's possible that God loves you. No matter what you've done or where you've been in your life or how badly that you've messed up, God loves you. Verse number nine, it says this, God showed, here's that word again, he demonstrated, love is action, love is demonstration. God showed how much that he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and He sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. What is real love? That God sent His Son to take away, or to be a sacrifice to take away our sins. Verse 11, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love 
one another. Next slide, please. There we go. No one has ever seen God, but if we do what? Are y'all, y'all awake? If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. There are two things that I see from this passage, two things that happen when we love one another. Write these down. Number one, we demonstrate God's love lives in us. We demonstrate that God's love lives in us. When we love one another, we demonstrate that God's love is in us. Okay? Matter of fact, that's how we prove that God's love is in us, by loving one another. The second thing that happens when we love one another is that we communicate God's love for humanity. When we're loving others, it shows humanity, it shows the world that God loves them. Think about that. Man, that's, that, is, that is very encouraging. It carries a great deal of responsibility too, doesn't it? When I'm kind to someone, I'm communicating God's love to them. When, when I encourage someone, I, whether they realize this or not, I am communicating God's love to them. I'm communicating how, how much that God loves them. When I pray for other people, and they know that I'm praying, it communicates to them, not just that I love them, but that God cares for them, that God loves them. So by loving one another, it does two things. Number one, it demonstrates that, that God's love is in us. When I love other people, it, it demonstrates that God's love is in me. And it also communicates to humanity that God loves them. So think about that as we are loving one another, as we're going about and, and doing acts of kindness and encouraging people and, and praying for people and bearing one another's burdens and doing all of those things. Now, flip, flip over with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. You cannot do a teaching on love without reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is known as the love chapter. <laughs> I laugh at myself sometimes. First... I do that so that y'all can just laugh at me and, and, uh, and not laugh at yourselves, I guess. But gets the focus off of you. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. This is the Apostle Paul writing here. This is, this is so important. He says, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't do what? But didn't love others... I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had, this is, watch this, if I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't do what? But I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything that I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Now, I think it's safe to say that by looking at those things that he said that, that he could do, those are some great things to give everything away and give to the poor and, and have the gift of prophecy and faith to move mountains. Those are some incredible things. But he says, if, but if I don't have love for others, then I have profited nothing. Sure, you may have helped some people along the way, but, but it has done nothing for you. I think we can see from this, these verses here that love is, is a big deal, isn't it? 
But just how important is it to our faith? How important is it? We just did an entire series on the Christian walk, which is our, 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 our walk of faith. How important is love to our walk of faith? Go with me to Galatians chapter 5 for just a moment. I want to pull something out here I think is going to help you. Galatians chapter 5 verse 6, it says this, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but faith worketh through love. Now, now let me explain here, because uh, context, I've told you this over and over, context is important. Because I don't know about you, but especially if you're a man and you see those words right there, you, you get a little confused. Get a little, like, what's, what's going on here? When he's talking about circumcision and uncircumcision. Let me, let, me, let me give you some context what's going on here. Okay? Now, there obviously were more than just two groups of people. But for the most part, at the time of the writing of Scripture and the place that it took, took place, um, people could be classified in two groups of people. There were the Jews and there were the Gentiles. Jews believed that, that circumcision, and, and yes, that's exactly what you're thinking, that's exactly what was happening, that circumcision was necessary, it was essential for salvation. Um, it, for us, it's kind of like, it's, it's really compared, uh, I think in the book of Romans, it's compared to, to water baptism with us. Now, aren't you thankful that, anyway, I, I won't even go there. Scott, stay on subject here. But, but we know that when we're baptized, water baptism does not save us. It is not essential for salvation. But it shows, it demonstrates to the world that we have given our life to Jesus. It's proof that we have decided to follow Jesus and we're going to let the world know. But water baptism is not essential for salvation. Now, that water baptism for us is kind of like um, uncircumcision was to the Gentiles. They didn't believe that, that circumcision was necessary. They just said, okay, well, it's, it's something that you know, the Jews practice, but it is not essential to salvation. But the Jews believed that it was essential to salvation. So they were, they were butting heads um, regarding their position on, on circumcision being necessary for salvation. So Paul writes this and he says, you, you need to understand something. He says, those practices mean nothing. Your faith means nothing if it's not expressed through love. He says, whatever works that you're doing, no matter what you're thinking that they're doing for you, they mean nothing if they're not working through love. Here's the point. Love is the foundation of faith. It's, it's the foundation of, of faith. You can attend church every single Sunday. You can, you can memorize and quote Scripture. You can read the Bible every single day and you can try to do everything that the Bible commands you to do. But if you aren't walking in love, your faith won't work. Love is the foundation of faith. What does that mean? It means that faith works through love. How do I know this? Because the principle of all obedience to God is love. The principle to all obedience to God is, is love. If ev everything that I do, everything, everybody say everything, Everything that I do, even if it's a good deed, if it's serving in children's ministry, if it's serving coffee at the hospitality desk, if it's, if it's preaching, if it's evangelizing, whatever, everything that I do in obedience to God has to be done in love. That is the principle to true obedience. 
If it's not done with love, then it's just a work that's going to be burned up, as, the, as Scripture teaches us, when we stand before Christ at the judgment seat of Christ. Our works will be judged. The motive with which we did things will be judged. And so the principle to all obedience to God is love. If you're not doing what you're doing out of love, it's profiting you nothing. Some, we, you really need to hear this this morning. I believe this is going to help some people. Faith works through love. Which means that, listen, I, I want to spend some time here. You, you can be believing God for things. You can be implementing some spiritual disciplines in your life. And we've talked about that. Some spiritual disciplines. You, you can be trying to do the right things and really trying to have faith. But if you don't have love one for another, then your faith is not going to work. Love is the foundation of faith. I'm hoping this is going to help some people this morning because there's some of you, man, you, you, you can pretty much believe God for anything, but you can't, you can't love your neighbor. You can't love your son's school teacher. You, can't, you don't have love for people. And I really think that if you get a hold of this this morning, that you're going to start seeing the, the fruit of, your, uh, of, your, of your, 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 your labor in faith. As, you, as you're believing God for things, you haven't been seeing things manifest in your life because you haven't been loving other people. But as you learn how to start loving one another, you're going to start seeing your, your faith, uh, the, start seeing the results of that. Because the principle to obedience, of all obedience to God is love. Loving God and loving others. That's why the Apostle Paul says, I could give everything that I own to the poor. And I could even, I could even sacrifice my own body. But if I don't do it out of love for others, then I've gained nothing. Love is the foundation of faith. This is why, uh, I think we read this last week, Jesus said, he was asked by the religious leaders, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And the second is equally as important. That, that means it's 1A and 1B. What was that second one? To love your neighbor or to love others as you would love yourself. The, the, it's, it's all about love. Now I'm careful. I know that that is, that's, people could take that in all kinds of, love wins, love, love, love. It's all about love. And there's some truth to that, but there's also some things that need to be defined. Um, but the God kind of love. Loving God and loving others. All the other commandments flow out of this one. Matter of fact, Jesus went on when he answered that question of what is the greatest commandment. He goes on to say that, that all the writings of the prophets and all of the law hinges on these two commandments. That means all the other commandments grow out of those two. Loving God and loving others. If we don't have love for one another, we can't forgive one another. If we don't have love for one another, we can't genuinely encourage one another. If we don't have love for one another, I can't genuinely and compassionately pray for one another. Are y'all tracking with me? If, if I don't have genuine love for others, I can't help to bear 
your burdens, as the Bible commands us to do. Bear one another's burdens. I can't truly comfort you. I can't truly exhort you and admonish you. I can't, I can't do these things accurately and, and, and wholly if I'm not loving one another. Paul goes on in, in chapter 13 to give us a way to measure how well we're loving other people. This is, and, and I think we need to talk about this because I think all of us would, or most of us, would probably think that we do a really good job loving other people. Oh, I'm, I'm, I really love people. Well, once again, love is, love is action. Love is demonstration. Love is not words. So, so in, in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, Paul gives us a way to measure how well that we are doing at loving others. He says this in verse number four. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It means that it's not selfish. It's not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful and it endures through every circumstances. Now, just to help you out, a good way to see how you're doing at that is to replace the word love with your name. Okay? For example, Scott is patient. Scott is kind. Scott is not jealous. Scott's not boastful. Scott's not proud. Scott's not rude. No comments. Scott does not demand his own way. Please, no comments on that. Scott is not irritable. <clears throat> Honey, don't say anything. Scott keeps no record of being wrong. Scott does not rejoice about injustice, but Scott rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Scott never gives up. Scott never loses faith. Scott is always hopeful. Scott endures through every circumstance. All you have to do is replace the word love with your name and read that to see how well that you are doing at loving others. And if in any of those, being kind, being patient, uh, not being jealous, not being envious, not keeping any record of wrong, if any of those stand out to you that you've got some areas to work on, then you need to, to, to get, um, to, to get in, in the Word and so that God's love can begin to really flow in your life so you can truly love like Jesus. Loving others. Now, when you speak on love, I realized this morning, and, and uh, this is something that I've, I gave considerable amount, considerable amount of attention this week, is that any time that you talk about love, I realize that, that as soon as I mention the word love, there may be some people in this room that immediately shut me off. Or, or someone that's in this room that when they heard the word love, uh, you may have uh, immediately become defensive or you put up a guard because something has happened in your past, someone that was supposed to have loved you did you wrong or someone hurt you. Maybe, maybe you were betrayed by, by a spouse. Maybe, um, maybe you were abused by a relative. Maybe you were um, neglected by your father or abandoned by your birth parents. Or maybe someone who was very dear to you or very close to you hurt you. Someone who was supposed to have loved you. They, they crushed you. They, they, they hurt you. And now you're still broken. And you're probably thinking this morning that there is no way that I could ever show this kind of love. 
There's no way that I could ever show the kind of love that you're trying to teach us about, Pastor Scott, because I feel that I am broken. I feel that I'm damaged. I feel that that I'm scarred. I've been hurt so many times. I just can't love like this. And to that, I would say this, that there's not a single one of us in this room today who can love like that on our own strength. There's, there's no way. It's not, it's not natural. Can I just say that? To love like Jesus, to have love for others like Jesus has, has love for us, is a supernatural kind of love. You're... You're not born with that kind of love. You don't have to teach, I've used this example before, you don't have to teach a toddler to be stingy. You don't have to teach a young kid how to sass and how to have attitude. You you don't have to teach that. It it comes natural. So, so, So to love like this is not natural. To show this kind of love, to have patience and kindness and and to forgive is not natural. It's a supernatural kind of love. It is a learned love that comes from our relationship with Jesus. In John chapter 15, verse 5, I'm winding this down, but I want to show you something and bring this out. Jesus said in John 15, chapter 5, watch this. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. In the context of love, Jesus is saying here that there is, you're not going to be able to genuinely love others the way I want you to love apart from me. It's not natural. It's a supernatural love. It's a learned love. And you learn how to love by spending time with me. You learn how to love by spending time in my my presence. You learn how to love by experiencing God's love for you. And as you begin to experience God's love in your life, love for others begins to flow out of you. Jesus goes on to say in the same chapter, verse number nine, he says this. He says, remain, everybody say remain. Remain in my love. Guys, this is... This is so, so important. What's the context today? What am I teaching you? How to love other people. Jesus is saying, first of all, you're not going to be able to do that on your own strength. Because people will hurt you. People will wrong you. People will abuse you. They'll take advantage of you. You're not going to be able to do that in your own strength. So apart from me, you can do nothing. But here's how you're going to be able to do it. You've got to remain in my love. Because the more that I experience God's love, the more that love for others begins to naturally flow out of me. You see, you can't can't give something that you yourself don't have. And so if if you don't know how much that God loves you, then it's, it's really impossible to love other people. Because the God kind of love that you need to give away has to be experienced in your life first. You have to receive that so that it can flow out of you. How do we receive God's kind of love? By simply spending time in His Word, abiding in His Word and doing what it says, spending time in His presence. 
Matter of fact, you can say it like this. Now, this is pretty lengthy, but I want you to write these down. I, I, and I spent several, several minutes and several, uh, a lot of time trying to figure out how to condense this to get this into a phrase or into a sentence or a couple sentences that you could understand. Write this down. My love for others will flow out of my love for God. My love for God will flow out of my experience of His love for me. Just keep that up there for just a moment. We've got a lot of people writing. This is, this is huge. My love for others will flow out of my love for God. And my love for God will flow out of my experience. Everybody say experience. My experience of His love for me. In other words, the more I experience God's love, the more I will love God. And the more love that I have for God, the more I will love others. Now here's, here's, here's the crust. Here's, here's, here's the, the foundation of this. Here's the principle. Here's, here's, here's where I'm trying to get us to this morning. We have to learn how to experience God's love. If you're struggling with loving other people, I know that you can say, well, you don't understand them. You don't know how, how difficult they are to deal with. Maybe I don't know your exact case, but I, I've dealt with difficult people before as well. But remember, it's, it's not about the worthiness of the one that you're trying to love. It's about the character of the lover. It's, it's, it's not about how difficult people can be. It's about expressing God's love. And so if you're having a difficult time loving other people, you're not gonna like what I'm about to say, but it's the truth. It's because you, you haven't truly experienced or you're not currently genuinely experiencing God's love for you. Because the more that you experience God's love for you, the more that you're going to love God, and the more that you're gonna love God, the more that you're going to love other people. So our love for God comes from our experience of His love for us. So how do we experience God's love? How do we do that? I can tell you how it works in my life. Because I'll just tell you this, I, I've been saved for many, many years. Been, been preaching now for almost, almost, what is it, 29, almost 19 years. And there are times when, when I just didn't sense God's love for me. I'm just going to be transparent. There, there's times when I thought like, man, I'm a failure. I've blew it. God doesn't love me. And the way that I truly get to a place where I can experience God's love is, is I try to get into a, 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 an isolated place if possible. I try to put on some, some worship music, open up the Word of God, and try to just block out all the distractions and just, just focus on who God is. And just, just focus on some of the scriptures that I taught you today that, that God loves you so much. And here's how he demonstrated his great love for you. That he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die in your place while you were still a sinner. He loves you. And the more we can focus on God, the more we begin to see how good our Father truly is, the more we begin to experience how much that he loves us. 
And the more we experience how much that he loves us, the more that, that we have a love for him. And the more that we love him, the Bible says when we love other people, it will prove that we love God. So here's what I want to do this morning. It's, it's, it's 11.25. We're running just a tad bit behind. But I, I want to just kind of create an atmosphere for just a moment. And I want to play a song. It's a, it's a simple song. Most of you know it. It's Good, Good Father. And the reason I want to pick this song is because I want our focus to just be strictly on how good that, that God truly is. And when we truly see how good that God is, as the song says, we'll recognize that, that we are loved by Him. And the more that we're loved by Him, the more that we'll love Him and we'll have a love for other people. So if you want to come to the front and pray and just worship, these, this, this front is open to do that. If you want to sit at your seat and, and just listen to the song, listen to the words of the song and just engage in love for God, then do that. But I want you to find a place to really focus and draw near to how much that God loves you. And if you need prayer for anything during this time of worship, then by all means, please step out and come to the front. I want to pray for you. We'll have our lead team that'll pray for you. But I don't want to just leave you with just a word. I want to have a time to where we can really try to soak in God's presence and see how much He loves us. Can we do that? You guys would just dim the lights and begin to play that song. Let's just find a place to to worship the Lord and truly see how much He loves us.